I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, what's it like to lose not just your home, but your whole community to fire? It's a question that we in California started asking in 2017 in places like Santa Rosa and 2018 in towns like Paradise, because climate change and drought had turned nearly every fire season into catastrophe. This past week, it happened again. The massive Dixie Fire in the Sierras north of Sacramento ripped through a gold country community called Greenville, leaving little behind but ash and brick and metal. To take stock of what was lost and what remains at stake, I spoke to two women, one evacuated from the Dixie Fire and one who lost her home in the 2017 Tubbs Fire in wine country. My first guest is Margaret Alicia Garcia, a resident of Greenville, California in Plumas County, which was the latest community to be overrun by flames. This was from the Dixie Fire last Wednesday. She's a reporter for Feather Publishing, which puts out the magazine High Country Life and the website Plumas News. When I spoke to Margaret on Friday, she was still waiting for word on whether her home had survived the Dixie Fire. Margaret, what's the latest? Well, the latest is that my mother's house and my tiny house, which is parked on her driveway, um, is still standing. Wow. And we are very, very grateful for that. My mother's property is an area known as Mount Huff Estates, and it's between the town of Crescent Mills and Greenville. So we're about five miles outside of town. Wow. Well, that's great news. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to go back a little. This fire broke out a long time ago on July 14th, the Dixie Fire. It's 13th. <laughs> 13th, excuse me. It's yeah, now become been... one of the biggest fires in California history. Tell me what it was like for you. You you evacuated long ago. You were not chased out by the flames that actually overran the town. Right. Um, the fire broke out in Feather River Canyon on the 13th, and uh, that's not unusual. Uh, there's always been fires in the canyon, and when there's a fire in the canyon, you just hope that it's put out quickly or it's, um, you know, but, but often it isn't because it's really rough terrain, uh, so we're always nervous. And uh, on that particular week, uh, I had to get my daughter down to LAX. Uh, to fly to D.C. on the 16th. So I left on the 15th, and uh, we didn't pack for evacuation. We didn't take any important documents. We didn't take family photos. We took um, we took what you take when you're going on a week-long trip, and we fully expected we were headed back north on the 23rd, and we're still down in Southern California waiting for a route back um, to Greenville. Wow. Well, I want to get back to the process of watching a fire that's bearing down on your town. But but first, you wrote this piece, Eulogy for Greenville, after the town was overcome by flames. This is on the Plumas News website. You wrote, we were an island of misfit toys and we liked it like that. <laughs> Everywhere in the country, there are people not getting along anymore because of differing political perspectives. But in Greenville, there flat out wasn't enough of us to take sides. You had to have each other's backs anyhow, whether you you agreed with someone or not. What is right. what is Greenville like and how did you find it? Um, uh, Greenville is a very interesting place. It always has been. Um, I've worked for the newspaper five years and we always joke about 
how um, Greenville residents subscribed lower than any other people in the county and complained the most. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're kind of uh, an obstinate people. Um, we're from all over. There's there's families who have lived in Indian Valley, Greenville, for uh, generations since the 1890s. And there's a bunch of people. I'm considered a newcomer because I've only been there 19 years. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I don't think you get like a status as a old time resident till you've been there over 50. Um, uh, we moved up there. My ex-husband and I, uh, I was living in San Francisco. I was pregnant with my son and I was kind of reading the writing on the wall of like, you know, um, how do I pay rent in San Francisco and stay home with my kid? <laughs> like, where would I live in San Francisco where that would be possible? And the answer is nowhere. Um, so my mother and um, my mother's, um, my mom and Lynn, who were together for 32 years, uh, they had just moved to Greenville the year before. And they said, uh, we'll pay your first and last month rent if you come and have the baby up here so we can be grandparents. And my ex-husband and I were like, yeah, we could do that for six months. Like in our head, we we're like, six months, we'll, we'll do this thing six months and we'll move back to the city. And uh, 19 years later, we're both still up there. <laughs> Margaret, a lot of people have seen the images from downtown Greenville buildings laid to waste, ashes. Can you tell us a little about what was lost there? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's really weird when we Greenvilleites uh, see the, the headlines because we're like, oh, we're a gold rush town? <laughs> like that, it, <laughs> that, That's not how we identify that's, that's been thrown out at us. Um, there were a lot of old buildings in downtown Greenville, um, a lot stemming from 1860. Um, my office building that I shared with Jane Braxton Little had been standing since 1860. It was the oldest building, um, in downtown. Uh, there's, there was a few made of brick and concrete, but pretty much everything else was wood, which is, you know, that's why you see it the way it is now. Um, there, uh, we have a huge retiree population, um, that volunteered to get a museum up and running. So the Sci Hall Memorial Museum was on in downtown. They had been closed for COVID, and they spent the year collecting artifacts, doing this great exhibit that I just got to report on for the magazine um, that's due to come out in September. And now, you know, it's like, come see the new exhibit. No, no. Um, just, it, it was a... I mean, it's history. It had copper mining, it had gold mining, um, and certainly a lot of the buildings like reflect that sort of West, Wild West sort of path it had. Um, and a lot of the houses that you see pictures of um, that burned um, were old mining cabins that after the Engel Mine closed, which wasn't that far, I can't remember how many miles away the Engel Mine was from downtown, but all those old mining cabins had been moved into downtown Greenville, and they were fairly close together. Um, and so, yeah, that is, you know, in hindsight, that is that is a perfect storm for a, a fire at this magnitude. 
Do you think the town will come back? And do you think you will go back? Um, that's a good question. Um, we know from the Paradise Fire that that some people will, were able to uh, go back and start anew. Um, we have a lot of retirees were in those houses downtown, and I don't see a lot of them being able to come back or want to. Mm. Um, also, in the last two years, uh, Greenville, which had a dwindling population, was seeing an uptick of people, uh, especially during COVID with uh, Bay Area people. Um, it was interesting to see a new flux of Bay Area people move uh, to Greenville since, you know, uh, I did it, you know, almost 20 years before. Um, we also had people living in Greenville who had survived the Paradise Fire and they had bought in our area, um, you know, to to still live in the mountains in a, a town that didn't look like it would burn. I, I want to stress that there's not a lot of trees in downtown Greenville, which probably gave us a false sense of security mm. because um, uh, Paradise had these over reaching, you know, gorgeous trees that like connected and made canopies. And that's not what Greenville had at all. We were, um, we were surrounded by national forests, but the town itself down in downtown there, there weren't a lot of trees that wasn't. Um, wow. So for a place like Greenville, what does the future hold? Does it come back? Can what was lost be replaced? Well, I think I said in the, the piece, you know, we are a stubborn people. I mean, if you choose to move into the middle of nowhere, like uh, many of my neighbors did, because we're not all born and raised there, it's, we're probably about half and half. Um, you choose to live rural. Um, you give up a lot when you're not in the city anymore. And certainly for a coastal person like myself, politically, it's not easy either. So I see us, given that, I see that a lot of people will stay, um, especially the people whose houses didn't go. They're going to stay. They're going to try to rebuild. Um, one thing I would love people to know is, is that what, what is really heartbreaking, I'll give the example of my, um, my son's girlfriend, Caitlin Sidious, um, it's not just her mom and dad's house that burned down. Um, but her grandmother's house burned down and her grandfather's house burned down wow. and his business burned down and the rental property he owned burned down. And I don't know how you recover from something like that when, you know, and this happened in Indian Falls with the Linford family, who's an old time family in the area. Um, there was the Indian Falls uh, fire took out a uh, brother duo. They had houses side by side. The grandfather built them, and both those houses went. They had tons of animals. They have tons of kids, and normally they would have they would have fled to their mother's house in Butterfly Valley. But the fly fire had just taken out her house, and so that's the the kind of trauma we're dealing with up here is. You know, normally if there is an emergency situation, you've got family in the next town or you have family on the next street. And in this case, with this wipeout, you have full extended families with absolutely no place to go because all of their houses have gone. And that that is the real trauma uh, that we're facing here. All right. Margaret Alicia Garcia, 
Thanks for joining me. I'm sorry for what's happened to your community and (laughs) good luck to you in rebuilding. Thank you so much. Next up, I'll talk to Melissa Geisinger. She lost her home in the Tubbs Fire in Santa Rosa in 2017, and she was one of the people the Chronicle's Lizzie Johnson wrote about the next year in a story called Out of the Fire. Melissa also appeared in a related Chronicle podcast called City of Ash. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. I'll talk to her after a short break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. It was nearly four years ago when a firestorm hit Northern California that in some ways launched the current crisis in the state, where we've seen whole communities ruin like Greenville this past week. Late on the night of October 8, 2017, the ferocious Tubbs Fire swept west from Calistoga into Santa Rosa, killing 22 people and destroying 5,600 homes. Melissa Geisinger was one of those who lost her home. She's an entrepreneur and a writer who lived in the Coffee Park neighborhood of Santa Rosa. When the fire came, she was pregnant with a son whom she knew had a congenital heart defect. Ever since, Melissa's tried to help others deal with traumas like the one she experienced. Melissa, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Melissa, I know you follow the news as we all do in fire season, but when you hear about other communities that are threatened, maybe evacuated, or even wiped out like Greenville by fire, what is your first thought? Here we go again. I mean, it's uh, when the Tubbs fire happened back in uh, 2017, it was what we interpreted it as, as well as what, you know, the media was telling us, it was the perfect storm. It was, here's this once in a lifetime event where we just were unfortunate and unlucky to be on the receiving end of of nature. And what we know now is that this is the new normal. It's, It's not unusual now to hear about another community that's been wiped out or decimated because of a horrible fire. Melissa, take us back to that night. I live a little bit south of you. I remember, I believe, smelling the Napa fire first that was up in the Napa Hills, perhaps not the Tubbs fire. It happened That's It right. happened so fast. I imagine you were home in Coffee Park. What do you remember? I was aware that night that there was a fire burning in, in the Napa area. And so I was watching it closely. But what happened that night was that Fires and word of rumors of fires kept popping up all over the place. And we didn't know if it was real or not until we started smelling the smoke ourselves. And it was like the weather was getting worse. And it wasn't long before we knew that we were not safe, that we we were sort of in the in the trajectory of this firestorm that just sprung up out of nowhere and was barreling towards, you know, um, our city. And when the word came through via a text alert for, from Nixle, which I had just signed up for that night, that the fire had jumped 101 and leaped across eight lanes of freeway and, um, houses in my, my neighborhood were burning. It was like, okay, we, we packed up and we're out the door in six minutes. And um, 
grabbed both cars and just left. Now, in the country, some people don't learn about the fate of their home for days, but Coffee Park was so wiped out that it must have been pretty quick that you knew. Um, we didn't know for sure until the next day. I had a friend who has his office nearby. He drove by and confirmed that all that was left was the a bathtub and a um, gas main that was burning. Wow. What is it like to be part of something like that? I remember driving around Coffee Park. I mean, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. What is it like to see not only your home, but your whole neighborhood wiped out? It's unreal. It's absolutely unreal. It was a hellscape. It was, you know, here's this suburban neighborhood that you never think twice about. And it looked like it was a war zone. Nothing can prepare you for experiencing that. And the only solace that we had as victims was knowing that we weren't alone. I can't imagine going through that and, and feeling isolated and alone. So you had to, to deal with this loss. You were pregnant at the time and now you're out of your home. Walk me through how you were able to cope and, and what happened with your son? Well, it's been a while now. It's been almost four years and I wish I could tell you that everything went back to normal, but that's not it's that's not true. It's not remotely true. I mean, part of that is the fact that I'm a mom now um, and have a three and a half year old who is extremely rambunctious and energetic and thriving. Um, he himself has been through so much with his heart condition. He's had multiple surgeries. Um, he's just a few months out of an open heart surgery. Wow. Um, and he's doing amazing. Um, my, my marriage on the other hand did not survive. Uh, there's a lot that happens to people when they go through trauma and they experience trauma in different ways and they deal with it in different ways and it tests you and it either can bring you closer together or it can drive you further apart or it can do both. Um, the relationship with, with uh, my ex now, um, we, were, we were torn apart by going through everything, but we have been able to come back together and we are probably better friends now than we ever have been because we learned how to deal with the, the trauma by you know, doing things like um, going to therapy together. Um, seeing someone who specialized in trauma was absolutely essential. Gave us a lot of, a lot of tools that we needed in order to figure things out. Well, I'm glad to hear that, but especially glad to hear about your son, that he's doing well. Can you look back? I mean, you probably had no idea what it was like to lose a home and a lot of thousands of people are going through this. Were there things that were particularly difficult or things that surprised you about having to go through that? Was it the more, you know, was it rebuilding? Was it the emotional trauma of having to, to escape from the flames? You know, um, there's a lot that goes into experiencing a trauma like this. It's, it's not, it's not acute. It, it is extended. It is, um, a lot of logistical 
things that you have to deal with, like insurance, like finding builders and all of that, which I could talk your ear off about all of that stuff. But the emotional part is absolutely like the part that you don't hear about enough. You, you don't know how to deal with it in a lot of cases. And the first therapy, therapy appointment that I went to, I'll never forget the therapist who wasn't extremely helpful, but she did tell me one thing that sort of hit home for me is she said, you're, you're grieving. You've experienced a loss and it's just like losing a loved one. You're mourning and you're not, you're not mourning the death of someone else. You're mourning the the loss of your past life. Mm. And it's true. It's like my life before is, is no more. And as soon as that, that night happened, it was, you know, it was never going to be the same. And the trick is, is for anybody that is going through something like this is you need to go easy on yourself and you need to accept that there's no wrong way to process and learning to be a little bit forgiving is, is important and accepting that you are a victim of circumstance is, is actually a pretty difficult thing to do in of itself. Um, it, there's a label and there's, um, you know, there's, there's constructs associated with being, uh, being known as a victim of something like this, a natural disaster. There's a, a feeling of, um, you know, there's this association of powerlessness, and we don't like to feel powerless. We like to feel that we're in control of a situation, and the truth is that there's not a heck of a lot of control that you have in a situation like this, and being able to just accept that you are a victim gives you a sort of sense of ownership over that situation, and you can control the, the narrative a little bit more. Yeah, you mentioned that accepting help is is more complicated than than it would than it would seem depending on on who you are oh absolutely um and that 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 is a really hard thing to do and it's it's important to understand that when somebody offers you help that feeling that you have in the back of your mind that you're this burden on them that you are inconveniencing them is something that you'd need to try and work through and work around because imagine what you would be like if you were in their position where a loved one was the one who lost everything. You would want to do whatever you could in order to help them, right? So your loved ones are there to help and saying yes to things like money donations, food deliveries, somebody offering to ship you basic supplies like shoes and clothes it's okay to say yes and know that you can always pay it forward after. So you don't have to live with the guilt of always being on the receiving end. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great advice. I want to ask you what happened later. Did you rebuild? Are you back in coffee park? It's, it's fairly well recovered, hasn't it? We did rebuild. Uh, I would say probably about 85% of the lots in my neighborhood have rebuilt or are almost complete. Uh, there are a few projects that are um, just kind of sitting untouched or land that is untouched. And it's a reminder for sure. Um, but essentially 
you're looking at a at a brand new neighborhood with all the same people and it's pretty amazing all right melissa thanks so much for joining me thank you so much damien to read melissa's fire victim survival guide go to her website survivaloversurrender.com you can find links to a long-form story and a podcast about melissa and others who survived the tubs fire in the description and show notes of this episode Thanks to my guests today, Margaret Alicia Garcia of Greenville and Melissa Geisinger of Santa Rosa. Thanks to reporter Dustin Gardner for his help from Greenville, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>